Kettlebell Drenga. The gods have smiled upon us. We have been honored by the American Kettlebell Lifters Union to host the WKSF North American Championships for the next three years. Honorable warriors of the steel will travel from far and wide to battle for the title of champion. And you can earn your place to represent the USA team at the WKSF World Championships. Registration is available now for only $100 with raffle prizes available for all competitors and the opportunity to win cash prizes for the top performers. We'll be back at the Athlete Lab in Little Canada, Minnesota on Saturday, October 14th and accepting video submissions for online competitors. Go to TwinCitiesKettlebellClub.com to register today. Come, answer the call of battle. Join us and fight for your clan. Fight for yourself. Claim your spoils and your glory. Sign up now and may your name forever ring out in the Hall of Champions. Sign up today at TwinCitiesKettlebellClub.com. Welcome to the Platform Podcast, where we talk to coaches, athletes, experts, and real people to learn about their approaches to training, nutrition, mindset, and much more. I'm your host, Jordan Kundi Wright, founder and head coach of the Twin Cities Kettlebell Club, and I'm on a mission to help others build sustainable, healthy lifestyles. Before we jump into the episode, I want to announce that the Twin Cities Kettlebell Club has been selected to host the World Kettlebell Sport Federation's Open North American Championship for the next three years. It will also be an AKLU qualifier event for Team USA, so you can come compete for the 2023 North American Championship and qualify to compete internationally representing your country in the 2024 WKSF World Championship. We could not be more excited about this news. This does mean, for at least this year, that the Twin Cities Kettlebell Open will be subsumed by this event. Um, But if you've already registered, fear not. You do not need to re-register or pay a new higher registration fee. Uh, The event will still be happening as scheduled, and it will be just as epic as it has been each of the previous years. So thank you very much. I'm incredibly grateful. Tell your friends, and I hope to see you out there very, very soon. Uh, I'm also incredibly grateful that you listen to this podcast. The best way you could uh, give me support is to go ahead and sign up for the North American Championship and uh, maybe tell a friend or two. Just go to our website, TwinCitiesKettlebellClub.com for details. And of course, if you haven't already, please be sure to leave a rating and review of the platform podcast in your app of choice and support my work by supporting our sponsors, whose affiliate links you'll find in the episode notes. And last but not least, if you want help reaching your goals without wasting time, please fill out the coaching interest form linked in the show notes. I help athletes of all levels using my integrated coaching approach. You can follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Twin Cities Kettlebell Club or email me at TwinCitiesKettlebellClub at gmail.com. Now, without further ado, let's step onto the platform and talk about five ways to improve your resilience.
All right, welcome into this episode of the Platform Podcast. I know it has been a minute, y'all. I have been busy, busy, busy doing a whole bunch of stuff. Work, cool announcements with the company that I work for. I've been very busy with that. Being a dad, coaching my daughter's softball team, coaching my kettlebell athletes, a lot of good stuff, some not so good stuff also going on, which I won't elaborate on, but you know, it's, uh, it's part of life, the ups and downs. There are seasons, there are things that are good and things that are bad. And we always have to figure out how do we manage across those things. So today's episode is actually going to be diving into exactly that five ways to improve your resilience to stress. And I found this to be uh, the topic I wanted to come back on because these are some of the things that I've been working on uh, myself um, over these over these past few months uh, where, where you guys haven't really heard very much from me. Um, so it's I think it's really important because recovery is ultimately predicated on how well you handle stress and your resilience to stress. And your ability to perform is your ability to manage stress. And if you want to continue getting better at this thing called life, uh, the better you can handle stress, the better you will be. And also, when we talk about improving your performance in the gym or improving your performance on the platform, your ability to be resilient and handle stress is critical. So, Without further ado, I'm going to get into my five ways to improve resilience. Now, we could do this as a top five and do it as a countdown, um, but I really think that all of these things are, are important, kind of key fundamentals uh, if you want to improve your resiliency. And you are probably going to know what several of them are without me even having to, to list them out, but I'm going to, uh, I'm going to list them out anyways. <laughs> and then, uh, I'm also going to obviously give a little bit more depth on, on why these things are important and how they can, uh, and how they can help you improve your resilience. Um, and it's, it's no surprise, um, that these things help and most people probably know that they help, but it's a matter of doing them. So, Without further ado, I will say that number one way to improve your resilience to stress is go the F to sleep. Sleep is our longest lever when it comes to resilience and recovery. If you are not getting enough sleep... You are not repairing damage. You are not turning off your CNS. And you are going to have all sorts of complications from lack of sleep, particularly if you're chronically undersleeping. Now, there's all sorts of research coming out about chronic sleep deprivation being correlated to uh, cognitive decline, dementia, risk of heart attack, risk of stroke, risk of cancer, risk of diabetes, risk of metabolic syndrome, risk of erectile dysfunction in men, risk of infertility in women. I could go on and on and on. Going to sleep and getting high quality sleep is 
one of the most important things that you can do. So why don't we just go the fuck to sleep? Why don't we go to bed on time? And I'm saying that as much as much to myself as to anybody else. That's why it's the top one that I went with. I went with number one because I, I literally put a reminder in my phone that says go the F to sleep so that I get a reminder at 11 p.m. every day that tells me to go the fuck to sleep because it is that important. Now, do I always follow it and do I always go to sleep at that point? No, but a lot of times it does help remind me um, that it is at least time to start uh, winding down. Because if you're at all like me, um, especially in the age of COVID, you know, post-COVID now, I guess we can say, hopefully, um, the the idea of having set working hours doesn't really jive so much anymore. Um, so, a lot of times for me, I will work in the day uh, while my kids are at school or at summer camp or doing their thing. Um, but then I've got I've got to go get them, you know. And they're not they're not there all, they're not there all day while I could be working. And I have other things that I have to do, so I might work for a pocket of hours in the morning and then need to take a break. Might try and get a workout in during the day, then do a little bit more work, then go get the kids, then come home, try and spend time with the kids, cook dinner, da 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 da, right? And then say. Nine o'clock, I get the kids to bed and I'm like, okay, I still got two more hours worth of work to do. And I will get back onto my computer and do more work. And before I know it, if I don't have a reminder set on my phone, it will be 1 a.m. Because I will bounce around from, you know, knocking tasks off of my to-do list and just go down the rabbit hole and completely lose sight of the fact that it is now um, time for me to go to sleep. So it is incredibly important that you set boundaries for yourself. And that's what the intention of that, of that alarm clock is, is to remind myself that this is the time that I need to start, uh, winding down. I need to, I need to start getting away from my screens, shutting off my computer, um, turning off the TV, whatever it is that you might be doing, um, at that time, rather than sleeping, uh, it's important that you, have some type of boundary for yourself that you're not going to stay up any later than uh, X right? and, and try and adhere to that. You want to have the same sleep and wake schedule as, as much as possible. Um, if you're also like me and you have problems actually winding down at the end of the night because you're doing stuff like this where you're working late, um, I, I, I find that the evening is my most productive time. It's when my mind is the sharpest. I'm more of an evening person. I'm more of a nighttime person than I am a morning person. Um, but I can't sleep in until 9, 10 o'clock in the morning like I would like to. So that means that I can't stay up until 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning like I would, if left to my own devices, that's probably what I would do. I would stay up until 1 or 2 in the morning and sleep until 9 or 10. Um, and I would just have a later, I would just have a later cadence than some other people. That's just my chronotype. Um, that's what my preference is. But you can always shift. You can make those shifts. And the shifts happen effectively if you're consistent. So try and set a consistent sleep-wake schedule. Try and make sure that you are setting up things that help you unwind, creating a routine that signals to your body that it's time to unwind, getting away from blue light in the evening. So I, I'm not great about not about not looking at screens in the evening, but I am at least uh, somewhat diligent about putting on my blue light blocking glasses, which can help Obviously, it's not as good as turning off the screens, but it can be helpful. And once you're off of your screens, do other things that, that 
uh, signal to your body that it's time to start winding down. I like to read um, because, again, that's not exposing myself to more more of a screen. Um, sometimes I like to write. Um, sometimes I like to sing. Um, it really it really depends. But giving yourself some type of a signal that it is time to go to bed and hopefully keeping that the same, as close to the same as you can day in and day out so that you are setting yourself up for a routine because your body loves routine. It loves signal. It loves knowing what to expect. And so the more consistent you can keep your go to bed time and your wake up time, the more consistent you will find that your recovery becomes. And then that then improves your resilience to stress. So going to sleep on time, getting up on time, um, is really, really important. Doing those things can really help improve your, uh, can really help your improve your performance. Um, number two, and this one is probably not going to be super popular. Not going to lie. Stop drinking alcohol. This ties directly into number one of going to sleep. Some people think that drinking alcohol will actually help them get to sleep because they have a racing mind. They can't calm down. Uh, their anxiety is too high. So they'll knock back a couple of, they'll knock back a couple of, uh, drinks before they go to bed. And that is actually not helping you sleep. It's sedating you. So it might actually help you fall asleep. But, uh, as uh, most of us know, by this point, alcohol actually decreases our, REM sleep, which is our deep sleep necessary for recovery, and it really can diminish your quality of sleep. Even if it does help you get to sleep, um, it significantly diminishes your quality of sleep. So it's gonna, it's not going to help with that. Additionally, alcohol is a diluted poison, which the level of dilution depends on your beverage of choice. And if you, again, are like me in any way, um, bourbon is my drink of choice, and particularly cask-strength bourbon, so undiluted bourbon as much as possible. Um, well, that's like 60% alcohol, um, and that can be really rough on your system. It causes all sorts of systemic inflammation, um, Again, high correlation to incidence of cancer, high correlation to incidence of uh, heart attack and, you know, all of the all of the things that we honestly want to avoid. So why do we continue to drink alcohol? Um, well, A, it does taste good for those of us that enjoy it. It does actually taste good. Um, it, it's enjoyable and there are positive uh, social effects within a limit, right? When you have one or two drinks, it can be the nice social lubricant that a lot of us need to not feel uh, quite so awkward in social settings. But what I will say, um, and I will give myself a pat on the back here, that I, I've done really, really well this year at really significantly reducing my alcohol intake. I didn't go cold turkey. I didn't stop altogether. Um, but more times than not, I am not drinking. Um, most nights of the week, I do not drink at all. Um, I do not drink any alcohol at all. In fact, for, for a while, um, that was a daily habit that I was focusing on, which was just not drinking alcohol, period. Um, and so I, I've had a couple of months um, where I didn't drink any drinks at all. Um, and then I've had some where I've had an occasional drink. You know, I've had a few occasions where I've had multiple drinks in a night. And 
it is staggering to me uh, how much how much worse I feel. Um, I see it in my sleep scores. I see it in my HRV scores. You know, where I'm, you know doing tracking my data. I see that come up in in all of that data. I can tell when I did drink alcohol because my sleep scores are always much, much worse. My recovery scores are always much, much worse. My HRV is lower. Um, it just causes so many downstream, um, problems. If you really want a like deep, deep dive, like, and I'm talking really deep, nerdy, hardcore, nerdy, uh, podcast to to go listen to about alcohol go listen to the huberman lab um episode about alcohol and he he basically does like a two-hour deep dive on all of the science behind what's going on at the biological level the biochemical level um when you drink alcohol and uh just presents the information which i I love about dr huberman he's not telling you not to drink alcohol like i am (laughs) he's not coming out and saying uh don't drink alcohol uh he's he's just letting you know here's all the consequences for making that choice and you then go make an educated choice on your own Um, But I will say that if you want to improve your resilience, you want to improve your recovery, stop drinking alcohol. It may help in the short term alleviate some symptoms of stress, but it is actually making things worse. You're actually incrementally moving yourself worse and worse and worse. And if you backslide into um, drinking heavily... It actually makes things worse, and that happened a lot during during the pandemic, during COVID. We saw a lot of people um, start drinking a lot more than they uh, than they did before because they were scared, anxious, depressed, and it's it has a numbing effect, right? So it, it makes those things a little bit less uh, acute but it doesn't help you process them. It actually makes it worse over time. You get progressively more and more depressed. You get bounce back anxiety. You get rebound anxiety, as they call it. Um, Once your system, (laughs) once you flush the alcohol out of your system, well, then your body has another stressor that it has to process, that it has to deal with. So um, I, I think if you can significantly reduce your alcohol consumption or find healthy healthier or harm reductive alternatives that's the that's the key you have to really look at why is it that you're drinking if you're drinking socially with friends um that's probably not a not a problem but if you're drinking by yourself or you're drinking every night after work as a way to relax after work um you're drinking to help you go to sleep at night um that's not going to be the best strategy. Um, you need to find some other mechanism that serves what you're looking for. If you if you need a way to reduce anxiety, um, finding something other than alcohol that helps you reduce your anxiety that is harm reductive is is going to be uh, is going to be important. And that means you have to make an intelligent choice, right? Don't don't trade drinking not drinking for. Uh, doing coke <laughs> right not not going to be a harm reductive choice but um you know other other options for for reducing your anxiety or reducing your stress levels uh like exercise like singing like drawing um you know etc can can be a good a good choice that you are replacing the behavior with something that is giving you what you actually need and that's going to decrease your desire to drink because you're going to find other uh, other behaviors that are serving that root cause that you really need. So it's really important that you take the time to reflect on why is it that I want to drink? Um, that's been really, really helpful for me. Um, again, not saying that I've been perfect. Um, I actually had way too much, way too much to drink this past weekend, but it was uh, with neighbors uh, who found out that 
that it was somebody's birthday and then found out that uh, she was also pregnant. So it became like a, uh, a, not really a baby shower, but a celebration of life. <laughs> and, uh, you know, there was, there was more drinks consumed in that, in that sitting with friends than, than I probably had in one sitting in quite a long time. And I felt it the next day really, really hard. And I didn't even, I didn't even drink that much, uh, honestly, at least not relative to what I used to drink. <laughs> um, it was, it was only a few drinks. Um, but because I don't really drink very much anymore, it, it hurt. It hurt bad. Uh, I was really hungover, and I slept. I slept way later than I should have, and uh, et cetera. My sleep scores were in the toilet. Um, so, really think about um, really think about ways that you can reduce your alcohol consumption. A few hot tips on that. I will say, from having done this over the past, you know, you know, six seven months, um, there are a lot of really good non alcoholic beers out there now. Uh, I was really surprised when I started when I, when I made the decision that I was that I was going to pivot away from drinking alcohol and I wanted to find some uh, I wanted to find some alternatives. I started I started looking around and I was really surprised to see um, there are some actually really really tasty beers out there that are that are um, non-alcoholic now. Apparently, there is a new brewing technique where you can brew a normal beer and then vacuum extract the alcohol out from the beer so that you can just brew a normal tasting beer and then just extract the alcohol out. Um, I haven't had a chance to look into that very much, but the guy at the liquor store told me it, so it must be true. <laughs> but pretty excited about that. But like Guinness, the Guinness non-alcoholic beer is really, really good. Um, there's Athletic Brewing Company is one that, that makes uh, several different styles of beer that are that are pretty good. Um, if you want a, a, a cheap daily stand-in type of beer, like the Coors non-alcoholic beer is actually pretty good. Um, I mean, it tastes like hoppy water, but, uh, you know, that's kind of what normal Coors tastes like. So um, it's pretty good. The Sam Adams non-alcoholic brews are really good. Um, so I found those to be very, very helpful. Um, and if you happen to be in a state where, uh, THC beverages are allowed, like Minnesota is, uh, is one of those states. I have found that THC beverages are, are an excellent alternative because you get some of that, uh, same stress reduction, anxiety, uh, reduction, um, without the side effects of, uh, of alcohol or with significantly less side effects as alcohol. Um, I will say THC has the same problem with the REM sleep. It can disrupt your REM sleep in the same way um, that alcohol can. Um, but there are other strains of, uh, or other endocannabinoids that, that do not actually. So like CBD, CBH, CBN, um, all have, uh, can have very helpful relaxing and pain management effects without the side effects of, uh, of, THC or alcohol. So, excuse me, I have a really bad itch on my face. Uh, <laughs> I will cut that out later, but it won't cut out, be cut out from the video. Uh, so I highly recommend finding other alternatives um, that will help you fill that need without needing to consume alcohol. It, it is one of the uh, best decisions I have made this year, uh, especially during some periods of really, really high stress um, that I in intentionally decided to, to reduce my alcohol consumption. Um, and that has, that has been a trend that has continued. Um, so I'm probably going to, I'm going to stick with that. Um, and I would recommend that you give it a shot and see how it goes for you. And it's really helpful to have that objective data to, to validate, you know, that, it, that it is helping your sleep scores. It is helping your weight loss, um, et cetera. All right. Number three, eat healthy foods. Sorry, taking a drink of my water. 
eat healthy foods. That is, you would think that would be a no-brainer, right? But again, when we're stressed out, we tend to gravitate towards not healthy foods. We tend to gravitate towards um, salty, crunchy, fatty, sweet, um, calorically dense, nutrient shallow foods, right? Very light on nutrients, but very heavy on calories because, well, why do we do that? Well, when your body is stressed, um, it wants to mitigate that stress in multiple ways. A, it wants to release happy chemicals, which we know the, <laughs> we know the uh, effect of sugar is very reward-reinforcing. It activates some of the same pathways. It activates all the same reward pathways, but the same goes for salty and fatty foods as well. So um, it helps us feel better because it releases, it releases some of those happy chemicals, but it's very short-lived. The half-life is very, very small. Um, the dosage is very, very small. Um, so you don't get that very long, and so then you want more of it, which is problematic. Um, but also, your body can't differentiate between stressors. And so the stress of famine and the stress of a deadline at work, um, from an evolutionary standpoint, your, our body doesn't understand that. So when we are stressed, it increases the signaling to produce ghrelin, which is our hunger hormone, and it decreases our... Uh, <clears throat> leptin. Yeah. Which is our satiety hormone. Sorry. It took me a minute to find that name. Um, yeah. Leptin, leptin is our satiety hormone and ghrelin is our hunger hormone. So it increases your ghrelin production and it decreases your leptin production and can cause all sorts of challenges, um, because of that. So you're going to want to seek out foods that are calorically dense and, uh, because you're, you feel hungrier and it's going to give you those happy chemicals. But just like with the alcohol signaling, we need to be able to stop and know that what we are actually looking for is, uh, some relief from anxiety or stress, something that's going to make us feel good. And if you are hungry, eat, but choose healthy foods, right? And fueling your body in a good way is actually going to decrease your stress. It's going to increase your body's resilience to stress. And a lot of things happen even at the, at the like mitochondrial level. So at the cellular level or at the organelle level within the cells, right? You're going to have better fuel. You're going to have better mitochondrial turnover, um, all, all sorts of things. You, you'll have a lot more energy. You'll have a lot less likelihood of micronutrient deficiencies, which can be really, really helpful, um, for improving your resilience to stress. Um, so choosing healthy foods is going to be a really important thing. Well, what is healthy? Um, and I, Notice I say healthy and not good or bad because I think that's also really important. I don't label ice cream as bad. It is a food and it is delicious and sometimes it's good for the soul, but it is calorically dense and nutriently shallow. So I don't consider it a healthy food. I consider it a less healthy food most of the time. But when I'm talking about what do I consider healthy foods, we are looking for caloric uh, nutrient density and calorically, I would say medium to low, um, you know, ribeye is very calorically dense, but it's also very nutrient dense. And that is actually one of my favorite foods. But in general, what I consider to be healthy foods are foods that you can, uh, name 
and and they they are single single named foods. You know, I'm gonna have steak and potato and broccoli <laughs> for dinner, <laughs> right? Those are that's those three things, and they're all one word ingredients, right? Um, or chicken and rice and carrots, right? Whole foods as much as possible. Ingredients, things that you would consider ingredients to make a dish or things that you can eat whole, right? And yes, of course, it's okay to combine those things to make a dish, right? Like it's not like uh, combining rice and chicken and vegetables uh, with soy sauce and um, some cooking oil to make stir fry uh, is significantly less healthy than eating those things in isolation, right? So, um, but trying to avoid processed foods, right? Trying to stick to more whole foods. And again, it's all about balance here. 80, 20, 90, 10, the, the higher the proportion can be, um, the more likely you are to be successful with those things. So we've talked about go the F to sleep, stop drinking alcohol, eat healthy foods. Another way to help improve your resilience to stress is very, very simple. One of my favorite things now, go for a walk. There's a ton of research showing how important it is for humans to walk. We are bipedal ambulators. That's what we do. We walk. We were hunter-gatherers. So we now are in a period where we spend more time sitting than we do walking. Walking is one of the best things we can do, especially if you can walk outside in the sunlight, connecting to nature, soaking up that vitamin D, stimulating that optic nerve that tells you that it is time to be awake because then if you don't look at screens and don't spend a ton of time on the tv late at night uh, you will get a lot less of that stimulation which will help you go the f to sleep so getting outside especially first thing in the morning getting some light um, is a great way to help improve your resilience to stress. Walking in nature has shown a ton of positive effects in research. It's one of the best things we can do to improve our mood. Um, it actually helps prevent depression, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So I would say if you uh, are up for a little bit of a challenge, um, see how many days in a row you can go for a walk outside. Up to you to set what the threshold is that counts or doesn't count. Five minutes, ten minutes, an hour, whatever works for you. But there's a ton of benefit to it. And I will add the, the bonus here that um, I love rucking, as a lot of you know. If you follow me on social media, um, rucking is really just loaded carries, right? Walking with load on your back to increase the intensity a little bit. Um, but you may or may not want to put any load in your walks. It really depends on if you need that intensity, if you need that volume. Because uh, my fifth way to improve resilience is 
to decrease your training stress. That might come as a surprise to some people who know that I am a kettlebell sport coach. People who have done some of my sport programming would tell you that uh, it's definitely stressful. <laughs> it's hard, um, and and that's intentional. Kettlebell sport is a hard sport. It's uh, it's something you have to prepare yourself for. But if you are in a period of high stress, you are going to need to decrease stress where you can. You may not be able to control some of the sources of your stress. You can't control whether or not your boss is an asshole or whether somebody that you love is sick. Uh, you know, there are a lot of stresses in our life that are beyond our control. But one thing that we can control is our training intensity. How much stress is our training putting on our body? So there's, there's three primary uh, mechanisms by which you can decrease your training volume. Actually, I'm going to say four. <laughs> four. Um, <clears throat> four primary mechanisms. You can decrease the total volume, right? So just lift less weight. You can decrease the total volume of your training. Uh, lift less weight or just less total time uh, training, depending on how you're measuring volume, right? Um, so you can you can decrease your volume, which would be your your tonnage. Um, decrease your intensity, um, which can correlate to volume, but volume and intensity are not necessarily the same thing. And uh, what I mean by that is you can do um, 100 reps of one pound for a that um, or you can do one rep of 100 and that is equivalent volume but it is not equivalent intensity intensity can be measured uh, as a proportion of maximum weight or as a proportion of maximal heart rate is another way of tracking intensity depending on the type of training that you're doing so if you're doing strength training typically intensity is, is measured by percentage of one rep max if you're doing uh, cardio training, it is typically measured as a percentage of your maximal heart rate. Uh, in kettlebell sport, we get the lovely uh, mixed approach. So it can be both uh, the weight as well as the heart rate. And obviously those two tend to correlate in this sport pretty, pretty strongly. Um, so I would say decreasing your intensity is another way that you can help uh, decrease your training stress when you're in a period of high stress if you need to improve your resiliency. Um, and a way to improve your resiliency even when you're not in a period of high stress is just making sure that you understand whether or not you're in a period of high stress. Um, so so knowing, having data that, that validates um, what your total stress is. Um, this is where I'm really a fan of... Um, of wearables. I love my aura ring because it gives me my readiness score and it gives me my sleep score. And uh, I know uh, from those things, a lot of the quality of my restfulness. Um, I also really like my, uh, my Morpheus system because I take my HRV test in the morning and it tells me um, how my, how my HRV is and also gives me a readiness score, but readiness for my training. Um, and it adjusts my heart rate zones based on that. So I love that because longitudinally, you can start to see trends. If your HRV is trending down over time, um, that means that your um, fitness 
is decreasing or your wellness, depending on how fit you are, um, it could just be a track. It can be an indication that you're, you're not recovering as well as you were and you're no longer getting fitter or maintaining. If it's decreasing, then things are in general uh, declining. Right. So that could mean that you need to decrease your training stress because you might be in a period where you need to improve your resilience to stress. So you can try some of these techniques, but um, also measuring helps you know how stressed you are. So big fan of those two uh, of those two wearables, Uh, not a sponsor. (laughs) PTW would love to have either of them be a sponsor, but uh, they are not sponsors. Um, I I do just very much like their products. Um, So um, anyways, so decreasing straining stress, you can decrease the volume, you can decrease the intensity, you can also decrease the duration, um, which I alluded to earlier, if you're if you're measuring your volume as far as time under tension or training time, um, time in time in different heart rate zones, um, decreasing just the total duration of of training, right? Um, If typically you train 10 hours a week, maybe you just bring that down to, to seven hours a week, even if you're not decreasing the uh the intensity within those sessions um you can decrease you can decrease the time within those sessions just so there's less stress on your body so that might be taking away some of the cardio and really just focusing um your your saving your available training stress for um your sport specific activities you know so maybe you're taking away your general cardio or you're taking away your general uh general physical preparedness your gpp right um those are those are things that you can take away in times of, of high stress where you need to improve resilience or you need to increase recovery, um, you might, you might want to decrease those things, um, as a way of decreasing your, your total training duration. Um, <clears throat> so volume intensity duration are, are three, uh, are three great ways to, to reduce your training stress. Um, so the five I talked about go the F to sleep, eat healthy foods, stop drinking alcohol, go for a walk and decrease your training stress. And I'm going to throw in one more bonus one. Um, so not a top five, actually a top six, which I knew at the start, but top five just sounds so much more fun. Um, so the bonus one, um, is, is reflection. So that is encompassing of meditation, um, journaling, like gratitude journaling, um, coloring I've actually heard is a really good, um, a really good meditative activity. It's low stress, right? But there are, there's this whole, uh, cottage industry now of, of people who are uh, making adult coloring books, or, uh, I saw a thing with my kids over the weekend at the mall of America in an art store where there's like a, 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 a book that's already got the colors in it and you add the lines. So it's like a reverse coloring book. Um, you draw in the lines to, to make the patterns o- over the color. Um, that seemed, that seemed pretty cool. Um, so really anything that allows you to, to be able to get into a reflective state. Some people find meditation really, really hard. Um, I do enjoy it. I think balance is a really good app for that. Um, Headspace was another one I've done. Um, so there's more, um, so, um, you know, even five minutes, just five minutes of focused breathing, um, five minutes of guided meditation. If you struggle to meditate on your own, you can do guided meditations, which can help. Um, 
you know, but meditation isn't the only, isn't the only thing for, for some people, like I said, uh, journaling is, is more helpful because it's an active process of reflection as opposed to a passive, um, meditation, meditation is more passive or intentionally, uh, maybe it's not passive, but you know, it's intentionally focused on singular things. Um, so anyways, I love both of those. I haven't tried the coloring thing. I also like singing. Um, you know, I, I'm a singer. I'm a musician. Uh, I've I've sang my entire life, and I've learned that that's a really great great way to uh, for me to unwind and and reflect um, because my song selections are typically based on how I feel, and either I'm leaning into how I feel and really just leaning into the emotion, or I'm um, counter programming and trying to to move my mood in the opposite direction. If I'm really angry, uh, maybe I'll try and listen to some happy music. Um, it depends. It depends on the day. Um, but yeah, I would say take time for mindful reflection. Take time for mindfulness is uh, another is another tip. And this is just six uh, six ways that you can improve your resilience. Um, there are many, many more where I didn't get into, you know, intentional heat and cold exposure or, you know, there, there's all sorts of, there's all sorts of life hacks, uh, you know, biohacks to help you get into, uh, to improve your stress resilience. But, um, these are just five ways that, well, six ways that, that I like to use and that have been really helpful for me, um, in this, this first half of 2023. Um, it's, it's been awesome so far. Um, I hope the, I hope the back half is also awesome. I'm sure it will be, uh, cause we got the, uh, WKSF North American championships, uh, coming in October, uh, instead of the Twin Cities Kettlebell Open. So I'm pretty excited about that. That's obviously big news. Um, yeah. I just told my wife about it and she said, Oh, that sounds like a lot more work, <laughs> which I don't think it will be, but it could be. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. I'm going to have to lean. I'm going to have to lean on, lean on my support system for that. So, um, but thank y'all for tuning in. I will catch you next time on the platform podcast. Stay well. Thank you for listening to this episode of the platform podcast. We'll be back with a new episode soon. Please be sure to leave a rating and review of the platform podcast in your app of choice. Support our work by supporting our affiliates. And of course, if you have questions or you want help reaching your goals, reach out to me. Till next time. Thanks for listening.